In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel and Beyond. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, my co-host, geez, I have to come up with a name for you now, hmm. uh, Gail Scott Keith. That works. That works for me. Hey, Ron, how are you this evening? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm so excited to be back hosting and filling in for Maureen and uh, having a lot of fun. So thank you for asking me back. Oh, that's great. Uh, Yeah, Maureen is uh, buried at work. Uh, Lots of traveling, Uh lots of stuff. So anyway, she's taking a little hiatus, hiatus, (laughs) whatever it is. Whatever it is these days, huh? <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, that's it. That's it? Right. Well, yeah. It's it's too bad because, you know, Don Kent just passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know Don Kent, right? I do. I do. Right. What happened? And, you know, what's interesting is, uh, well, Maureen's a medium. I always wondered if you could contact someone who just passed. Right. And what did she say? I don't know. She doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> no, oh. I mean, isn't it, I mean, the number one haunting is what we call messenger ghosts. That's, that's when you see the spirit of someone who had just passed. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the number one haunting. Uh, so, I mean, could you communicate uh, with them? Usually, I, I think what happens is they just come to check on you and let, let you know that they're okay or that you're okay. So, I mean, but could you actually communicate with them? I just find that interesting. That's funny how you said that because I've always wondered that, and, and, I've, and I learned the same thing that you did. I was always told that, you know, they want to check back on you a final time to make sure you're okay with their passing. But, um, you know, that's, that's really interesting. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I know that my, when my dad died, he uh, visited my mom. Yeah. Of course, all she do is scream, so that kind of like killed that oh. whole conversation. <laughs> but Poor thing. She wasn't expecting that, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. So, you know what? Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, uh, Gail, because uh, um, I know you very well, but uh, yeah. some of our listeners don't. 
<laughs> well, um, that's right. You you knew me when I was um, a reporter first at WNDS, an independent station out of Derry. Um, I also was doing um, radio news. I was the co-anchor for um, Cool 96.5 and also oh, yeah. some... Yeah, remember that? The oldies oh, yeah. are cool, baby. Yeah. So I was there with uh, Jack Baldwin and my the previous partner, Dorian Jay, and then I moved on to TV full-time. I was at um, WNDS that transitioned into my TV, um, which it is now, and um, once I was there, I was, a, I was an anchor for a bit, and then I had gone on to do national shows on um, the WE Network, the Oxygen Network. You're going to see me again on the WE Network. And it's for mm-hmm. careers in New England. Yeah, so it's partnering up healthcare professionals who want to team up with healthcare uh, facilities in the New England area. There's loads of them um, that people can check out, but we will be doing that. And I'm actually uh, just got through doing a commercial for college education, which is going to be airing and putting on a bill- billboard. So I've been uh, doing stuff nationally, but always you keep me on my gra- my feet on the ground, Ron, because you're awesome. You are such a sweetheart. You really, really are. From the first time I met you, I'm like, this is going to be it. A long time bond. Right. And I need mean, I you stay know, here? What's, what's not to love? That's what I always say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So here we are, right back into it and, and just loving it. I really, radio has always been a first love of mine, so to come back and do it when I can, it's, it's just a true blessing and honor. So it's awesome. All right. So to our listeners, that's who gave us. Now, we have a great show today. Yes. Yes, we do. We, we have this dude from uh, New Orleans. <laughs> Some dude, huh? Dude from New Orleans. <laughs> and uh, as most people know, New Orleans is the voodoo capital of the United States. Oh, and, yeah. But he has kind of a cool place. So uh, actually, why don't we bring him on and uh, chit-chat with him? Sounds like a plan. Ken, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yay. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So, and, and Ron, there's nothing I can say that sounds as impressive as the resume that I just had laid out for me by Gail over here. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sweetheart. How are you? I am doing well. How are you folks? Doing awesome. Can't wait to talk to you about some interesting stuff, I'm sure. All right. And, well, we should introduce him first. Besides yes, the dude, you should. You know, beyond know. the dude, it might go a little farther. Uh, Ken, <laughs> Ken actually has a place which is called the Haunted Mortuary. Yeah. Ooh, I get the chills just thinking about it. <laughs> and the website is, of course, hauntedmortuary.com. Yeah. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. I'm two for two. I'm doing good. <laughs> And you also do ghost tours and all kinds of neat stuff, right? That is correct. Um, we are, <laughs> well, as of right now, from what I've been told uh, by Discovery Channel and Travel Channel and all the people that, you know, we've been working with over the past couple months, that we have uh, recently been named pretty much the most well-documented haunting in the United States. Um, <clears throat> part of what my job is, and I, I don't own the building. That's a gentleman named, that's my boss, a gentleman named Jeff Bourne. I'm kind of like the the building's historian and handle all the tours. and the, But my background is... So like the Richard Felix of the uh, <laughs> mortuary. Right. I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm like the mouthpiece. He's like, I don't want to do interviews. I don't want to do yeah, interviews. That's Richard. So I can do But it's a fascinating place um, that uh, I you know, just can't wait to tell you guys about. So we, we do a little bit of everything. We do ghost investigations. And one thing we do with our ghost investigations is that 
when a person comes in, we actually train them. Like, for instance, we have, you know, New Orleans, you know, arguably, arguably, one of the most haunted cities in, in America. Some people say Charleston. Some people say Savannah. Some people say Boston. Boston. So you're always in kind of this argument. But we consider ourselves the most well-documented haunting, and the reason that is is because we actually bring in ghost investigators, and anybody from around the country can come in. But another thing that we do is if people do not know how to, to do a proper ghost investigation, we will teach them different methodologies. Now, there's... There's no really one way to do a ghost investigation. You guys know that some people use psychics. Some people don't believe in psychics. Some people, you know, want to use equipment. Some people don't believe in using equipment. So we teach different methodologies to people, and then we let them go through the building on their own. And when they go through, through, we teach them how to take proper notation. And people always get mad at me when they come in for an investigation. They're like, we guys on TV, they don't have to take notes. And I'm like, yeah, but they have video cameras following them around, and you don't. So, you know, but what we do is, we write everything down, and part of what my job is to do is, after our investigations, I have to take all the evidence, quote-unquote, evidence that's been given to us, and I have to go through the house and try to replicate that and debunk it. And really? that's basically what my job is. Oh, that's um, kind of neat. And then what I do is, we put every, so whenever there's an investigation, I put together an investigative report, and usually each investigative report is about 25 pages long, um, of just using different theories to... To, to, yeah, I, let me go ahead and say I'm a skeptic. However, I am a believer. Um, I'm a believer skeptic, if you want to call it that, you know, just because I've had so many personal experiences throughout my life. And uh, with, uh, you know, that comes in handy at the mortuary because it's a haunted house attraction, and it was a mortuary for a very long time. And, you know, there it, it's, it's scary. It's a scary building. And, and I think a lot of times when people go into places like that, you know, that, that cobweb might, you know, tug at the, you know, catch on the back of their head, and the next thing you know, they think that there's a ghost pulling their hair and all that sorts of stuff. So one, one of the things that I do is use a lot of psychology, because that's pretty much what my background is, psychology and English literature and history, um, to go back and kind of debunk as much as I can. And when I can't debunk anything, I don't say it's necessarily paranormal, but it, I can't explain it. So whenever there's an investigation, the big thing that we do is that there's a 25-page report that's issued afterwards that is made available to the world. We don't charge people to look at it. You know, anybody can look at it that they want. We put it on MySpace, Facebook, anywhere we can, and very soon we're going to start putting them on our webpage. So people can go and look at these investigative reports, and they can see their experiences. They can look at other people's similar experiences, and all next thing you know, we've got thousands of pages of documents, literally thousands of pages of documents from past investigations where people have come through, and they have the same experience that someone else had a year later who they've never met, lives on the other side of the country, that we can't explain. And so yeah, that's one of the things that we do that's, I, I think, quite remarkable. Well, it's, it's very remarkable, and it's a good thing that you're a psychologist because I went online uh, because Ron was telling me about this, and it, it's a beautiful Victorian home. It, I, I was looking at the history. It was built in 1872. But the interesting part was, Ken, it went through so many owners until, as you said, your boss, uh, Jeff Bourne, had purchased it in 2007. And when you were doing the research, and as a psychologist, I mean, you know, everybody always wants to, you know, connect the dots, especially where, where it comes right. to the afterlife. 
So uh, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you're a good one for me to go through that, that museum and that little place with because I would be psychologically not good if anything touched me, first of all. Not happening. <laughs> but second of all, when you're going through your own personal experiences, can you, can you tell us what did you first find out yourself when you were going through? What were your own personal experiences? Uh, wow, in my life that made me believe in ghosts? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, wow, I really get answer that, ask that question. I'm always just ask questions about the mantis. This is great. I get to talk about me. We know that you have done shows for Pararex before, and <laughs> so they probably heard all the other stuff. So we, we're going a little yeah. angle, different angle here. All right, well, that's good. Exactly. Uh, well, <laughs> my father's a Pentecostal minister, yeah. and, uh, you know, so they, they, you know, Pentecostal faith and, you know, that's, that's about two steps away from snake handling, as I like to tell him. Yeah. And, <laughs> but he, he, he agrees. It's okay. <laughs> He's, he agrees. Uh, but uh, he, uh, he uh, you know, I, I, grew, I grew up experiencing a lot of things that were different than most children. Um, and so I got to see kind of a, a spiritual element to life because, you know, the Pentecostal ministry and, and that side of Christianity, they're, they're very much interested in, you know, things like, you know, spirits, not necessarily ghosts, but, you know, things like that. And and the impact that you know they have, like you know, I'm not Pentecostal or by any stretch of imagination, um, but uh, you know, I, I grew up with a kind of different mentality, I guess. And I had strange experiences, like uh, I remember when my dad was a uh, um, <laughs> my dad used to do a lot of bedside manner, and because I grew up in a real small southern town in North Carolina, and you know, I would go with him, you know, at times, and and I, I and I'd actually and I remember. At one particular place in the hospital, that we went, I was, I, I could never go with him on bedside manner. I, you know, I was, you know, I was like five or six years old, and I, so I would sit in the in the hospital like a like refreshment snack area. It's a real small hospital, is it? And uh, it's a little county hospital. And I remember I was sitting there, and I was eating a hot dog, and I saw the lady that my dad was doing bedside manner for come walk into the room, and she had hmm. died. And she died. So, yeah, she, she died. She had died. And I remember, I remember that very distinctly. In another occasion, uh, my great grandmother had passed away in Virginia, and uh, we went to go uh, to her funeral. And my great grandmother, she raised my father, um, and uh, we were at her funeral. My dad, my dad took her death very hard. And I mean, mm-hmm. she had a long, great life, but he took it very hard because that was, you know, for all intents and purposes, that was his mother. And I remember we were sitting there and. You know, in, in the South, we had these these bedside wakes where we stay up with the body, you know, overnight, you know, so to speak. And there was this big group of people in the room, and my dad was, I was sitting next to my dad, and he was crying, and I saw my my great-grandmother standing behind him trying to reassure him. And I said, you know, hey, Daddy, it's okay. And, you know, great-grandmother great says everything's all right. Dad didn't take that very well. <laughs> uh, but uh, the your psychologist all goes back to that. But I had, you know, I had these experiences. Now, now let me say, my degree is in English lit. My 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 minor is in uh, philosophy as well as psychology. So I'm not a psychologist, um, yeah. even though that is that is one. But that's what my, you know, I I say that's what my background is. And, uh, sure. You know, but so let me let me go ahead and clarify. But I I was immediately became enraptured with this this subject of ghosts and. So when most kids were reading bedtime stories and stuff like that, when, when they were younger, I was reading about guys like Harry Price and Borley Rectory, pretty much one of the greatest ghost investigations of all time. They're very controversial. 
I was reading about guys like our places like Society of Psychical Research in London. I was reading, you know, when other kids were reading bedtime stories, I was reading stuff about ghosts. And so I just became fascinated with the subject because one thing I found is that every subject, or not every subject, but every culture from the dawn of time, Akkadians, Sumerians, Babylonians, uh, you name it, they have a belief in ghosts. Even early Judaism has a belief, a big-time belief in ghosts. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> that became kind of like a passion of mine, so to speak, from these childhood experiences. And it's not really on visual experiences so much. It was more like just feeling strange things. And I have, you know, since I've become kind of like a full-time, and that's basically, yeah, I'm very lucky. I don't get paid much. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, I'm very lucky because I'm doing something that I love. And so it's, you know, it's just it's just my passion, I guess, if you want to call that. Um, that and my wife. Uh, I have to say that because she's walking in the door. <laughs> <Good> man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, um, but uh, that. I mean, I I just love you know, those stories. Um, that's why I went for uh, you know, a degree in English literature it was basically ghost stories. Um, and uh, I, I just love the subject, so to speak, so much. And and but that doesn't cloud my kind of logical reasoning because I believe that. 99% of what people think is actual ghostly phenomena is actually mental phenomena that they're going through um, for a number of different reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, so when people come, a lot of, it's so strange. You know, people come into the mortuary um, at Mysterious Manor. They'll, they'll come in, and they will have an experience of some type. They'll see something, and they think it's just amazing, and it is amazing because, you know, we'll have these people that don't believe in anything. You know, they'll come in and they'll have an experience of some type. They'll feel something, all of a sudden they'll get in, get in a strange emotional state, not necessarily fear, but, you know, they'll just be different than they normally are. They'll experience something, and they'll tell me about it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, good. And I'll write everything down, and they get mad. <laughs> They're like, why aren't you getting excited with me? And it's, I'm like, it's not that. It's not that at all. It's just that you're telling me something that, you know, I've had 10 other people tell me on different past investigations who were just like you, didn't believe in anything, but have now had an experience. You know, so it's become normal to me. What has become abnormal for some people is now like a normal occurrence for me. So, you know, when people come in and they have these things happen, you know, it's a lot of fun, but I always try to keep their feet on the ground. It sounds like ghost hunters come from the birth of a personal experience of death because we're always scratching our heads. No matter where you are on the spectrum of faith or not, you're wondering what happened to that loved one. So is that what you think sort of propels you into this? Uh, a little bit, um, a little bit. And, you know, it was just that, you know, we have to go somewhere when we die. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know humans, humans seem to be hardwired, you know, for a belief, you know, uh, in some kind of afterlife. Um, and you know, it, I, I just refuse to believe it just stops. And I've had my mm-hmm. own crazy experiences, so... And I know I'm not that crazy. Oh, I'm a little crazy, but I'm not that crazy. So, <laughs> I haven't read the bio that much. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you guys were talking. You guys were talking about earlier. You you were talking about Christ. Well, I like to call them crisis apparitions. And you're absolutely 100% correct that um, crisis apparitions. That is when a person has died, and they'll come visit someone. You know, right before they leave, and the next day they find out they've passed away. Right. Um, oh. That is the number. That is the number one type of of paranormal or ghostly phenomena that's been reported. And in fact, that was the earliest type of ghostly phenomena that was written about in a scholarly aspect um, mm-hmm. by the Society of Psychical Research in 1882. And, you know, that is the most common story that people hear you know, all the time. We, we have, when people come in and do an investigation, 
we have, you know, we don't just like let anybody really nearly come in. You know, they come in, we, we give them a personality profile, which they fill out. And the reason we have them fill out a personality profile is because when I'm weighing evidence, I need to know something about these guys. So it's basically a psychological test. That's about six pages long that, that, you know, I and a couple of others that I work with, we've come up with, and we pass it out, and they have to fill it out. Of course, everything's confidential, but we have this done, and and the number one, the the question is, one of the questions is, sorry, one of the questions is, do you believe in ghosts, and if so, have you ever had a ghostly experience? And about 80% of the people that, that say that, yes, they believe in ghosts, and the experience that they talk about experience that, that they are talking about is the experience of a crisis apparition. Right. Now, you, you know what's funny is, is you talked about uh, ghosts from around the past history and around the world. Is We just completed, Maureen and myself just completed a book called 365 uh, uh, Ghosts a Day, 365 Ghost Tales from Around the World. And, and basically we go to different countries, but also back in time to, like, early Greeks uh, and the first ghost hunters. And all the way up to the present time, we're in Afghanistan where our soldiers are actually seeing ghosts and stuff. So, I mean, it's all out there. I mean, I wish I had known about the mortuary before I read this book because I certainly would have loved to put it in there. But we did uh, catch uh, New Orleans. We talked about, of course, that house where uh, the slaves were kept in the attic. The Lalaric House, right? Yeah, yeah, and also Marie Laveau. So uh, those are the two things. But yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of people, you know, they don't. For instance, in different cultures, they don't they don't hear many ghost stories because ghosts are so well accepted. There's really no tales about them. Exactly. Exactly. You know, one of the you, we were talking about like religion and you know earlier, and I like a lot of people that you know, one of the first ghost stories I ever heard when I was a kid was out of 1 Samuel. Um, and people were like, what do you mean? There's no ghost stories in the Bible. And I'm like, you better believe there are. Mm. And in 1 first, in first Samuel, <clears throat> King Saul is going into battle, and he's vastly outnumbered. And he feels like he has lost God's favor, which he has. Um, and uh, what he does is... <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah, so what he does is he uh, goes to a woman called the Witch of Endor, who is basically a medium, and he yep. asks her to call up the ghost of the prophet Samuel. Which but let me, let me interrupt you there. Bef- sure. he is, the, uh, she is also a witch as well, correct? Right. Correct. And did, didn't he also bend all witches and they drove him out of the kingdom? Yeah. And that was part of the, <laughs> that was part of the thing. Is that, uh-huh. that, that they drove them all out, you know. And, um, and so, the, so he went in disguise. And, of course, he calls up the ghost of the prophet Samuel, or has the witch do it, and, uh, and she does so successfully. And... Different ages have qualified, or have taken this this different ways. It, when it, you know, now they say, "Oh, well, God let her do it." You know, but it wasn't always so. And the reason that story, one of the reasons that, that story is in the Bible, is because at the time in Israel or uh, Judea, at that time, there was a huge belief in ancestor worship. And what people were doing instead of praying to God, they were going to mediums and witches to call up ghosts that have passed on to advise them. And so this was kind of like the big stamp coming on, you know, <laughs> going, okay, don't do this anymore. This is bad. Um, right. you, you know, you look at God, you don't look at ghosts. Um, and so, you know, there, that's the first ghost story that I ever learned. And then, and then there, 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 there's also an interesting, I, I, you know, I, I hate to interrupt, but there, there's also an interesting, is he called up, uh, who was this, Samuel, correct? Correct. 
and the purpose of that is because they were uh, engaged in this big battle, and yeah. he wanted to find out how they could defeat it. But exactly. what he really found out is uh, Samuel actually foretold his own death. Right. The you go, Ron, with the Bible knowledge. You go. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Very good. Sir. No, you're, you're exactly right. And then, you know, and then in the New Testament, you know, you have uh, the, in the New Testament where Jesus is walking on the water. The boat's in a huge storm. The disciples look over. You know, they mm-hmm. see this figure walking on the waves, and they're like, oh, my, oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. <laughs> and Jesus comes walking up and goes, y'all crazy, and ghost is me. Let me get in the boat, you know. Um, and then, and then later, when when Jesus died, died and, and was risen from the dead, when he appears to his disciples, there's one disciple, Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas because of this, didn't believe he was real. He thought he was a ghost. And it got to the point where Jesus said, "Look, Thomas, come and touch me. You know, I'm real. I'm standing right here, and I got to hold in hands, et cetera, et cetera." Now, let's look at this logically. If they thought Jesus was a ghost. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, and then and then and then you have you, then you have in the Old Testament Samuel going to a witch to call up a ghost. What do you deduce that those cultures believed in? They believed in ghosts. Exactly. You know, and a lot of people miss that. You know, they're just like, right. oh, okay, but no, they had a very rich culture of ghosts. Every single culture has this belief in ghosts. And and, and, so, and not only that, Ken, but if you look at Corinthians one. Uh, where they actually said that, that God gave powers to some people to be able to discern spirits, and uh, exactly. there's, there's a whole list of these special powers that we may call mediums today. Right. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And so, you know, that's, that's one reason my dad, like a lot of people like, that go to my, uh, that, that are in my dad's church who know what I do, they're, <laughs> they're like, don't you have a problem with your son doing what he does? And my dad's like, heck no. And he's like, he goes, absolutely not. You know, he goes, and he'll throw in those arguments, and then people are like, oh, well, wow, okay. <laughs> That's great. That's really great that your father, you know, will support that, because you can't believe in one without the other. And, I, and I've oh, no, been, right, you right. know, Southern Baptist, I, I bring it up, and I feel like I'm in a sermon. If I miss church or any listener miss church, here you go. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's very, you bring up some great points. But, you know, when, you, when you're going into these investigations, because let's face it, you know, for people who are very well-versed in the Bible, Ron knows his stuff, you know your stuff and everything, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, um, you know, it, it's almost like you feel like you're, you're almost stuck because when, when you lose someone and mm-hmm. it comes to that point in your life, you have a curiosity that goes beyond. You want to take it to the next step. Before you know, you are involved in different stuff that maybe perhaps you know, some people may frown upon, but you're doing it in a positive way because it's, it's, it seems like a never-ending search for knowledge, and there's nothing wrong with knowledge as far as I'm concerned. Well, Lord Byron said the tree of knowledge is not that of life. Sometimes you can ask a question you don't necessarily want the answer to, you know. Um, like, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, but, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. I, I, like, you know, I like to look at it as, as the search for truth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I throw that out there, and people are like, well, yeah, the search for truth, but... Truth is very different for different people, you know, right. and, you know, some people, they're going to come in to, like, the mortuary, for instance, and you can have five different people experience the same thing, but, but because of their belief system and because of what they believe, they're going to explain it five different ways, mm. and that's one, of the, that's one of the things that we notice, like, you know, you can have your, your diehard skeptic, I, often, like, kind of, like, as you guys can tell, I like to joke around a lot, and, and we give these seminars that... And I often joke around, and it's usually the guys. 
and they'll always be sitting the same way. They'll have their arms crossed, and they'll be looking at up at the like I can't exactly. You know, why did my wife bring me here? You know, <laughs> sort of thing. And, um, but you know, they'll 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 have an experience. But because of this this this, I've got to be strong, man. You know, type of thing. You know, they right. they they don't open themselves up to experience it fully. Now, on the other side of this is we have what I like to call well. Uh, a gentleman I know by a parapsychologist by the name of Brian Schill um, coined this term. It's called paranormal cheerleaders. And I love using this term because you get these people that are paranormal cheerleaders. And what I mean by that is they'll take any little bit of information and they will just pick it up and they will run with it mm. and they'll create you know, phenomena where there is no phenomena. And that's, part of the, and that's part of the point of the personality profile. You know, we ask questions like, you know, like you said, did you lose anyone recently? But we'll also ask questions like, well, how many ghostly experiences do you have? And most importantly, how many different types of medication are you on? <laughs> because, and I say that because, because people go, why do you need to know what kind of medications I'm on? Well, I'm like, well, if you're on two different types of painkillers and you're on a man, you know, a pill for being mad depressive, you know, and if you start saying you see little blue men running out of the wall, yeah, I'm throwing the evidence out. I'm sorry to say. Right. Don't check but, up here. Go to a checkup for a neck up. I understand. Yeah, it. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, but we get a lot of that. You know, we get we get the diehards. You know, we get the diehards that will not believe anything, no matter what. And no matter if a ghost comes up to them, shakes their hand, smacks them on the butt, right. takes them once or twice, and goes, "Hey, how you doing?" Let me put Ooh, Ron might like your that. Back pocket. Yeah, you know, but that doesn't really happen. <laughs> you know, you know, Sorry, it, Ron. I've never had that. You know, I've never had that happen to me. You know, I've never had a ghost come up to me and say, "Hey, how you doing, Ken? My name's, you know, Johnny." You know, I've never had that happen. You know, it's um, interesting, but, Ken. Ken, is I, I just, I just got back from uh, an investigation uh, at a, uh, a house in Connecticut, and that was one of the things. A ghost came up and said, "Oh, hi," to one of the residents there, and it was, uh, yeah, seriously. Now, now, see, at the, you know, we have had strange things like that happen at the mortuary. We, there's, there's, back in the 1930s, uh, real quick, the house was um, a single-family home um, for a number of years. Um, there were some tragedies in that family, and eventually it passed to a different owner. Um, there were some tragedies well, Ken, there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to ask you so, to hold on to that thought because we have to take on. a break. We have to take a break right now. So you are listening to Ghost Chronicles Live on TojiNet, Pararex, Ghost Channel and Beyond. We'll be right back after the following messages. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten. Starting November 4th, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central on TogiNet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten, starting November 4th. 
Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central on Toginet. Being frugal doesn't mean being cheap, and the Frugalitarian is here to show you how. Jody Olson is the Frugalitarian on Toginet, 3 p.m. Central, Wednesdays. This is the art of great living. It's just a matter of time before people start asking you to tell them your secrets to better style, bargains on food, home decor, and clothing. Your wants don't have to change, just how you acquire what you want. On the Frugalitarian, it's an uncommon mix of style, fashion savvy, and earth friendly. Showing you great taste, great style, and great ideas for finding everything you want for nearly nothing. I'm speaking from experience. I live on a beautiful farm where I take care of sheep and do a few light farm chores for extremely low rent. For more clever ideas on how to waste not and totally want not, go to thefrugalitarian.com. Join us every week for more information on how you can live better for less with Jody Olson. It's The Frugalitarian, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles live on Toginet, Pararex, Ghost Channel and Beyond. I am Ron Kohut. My co-host is Gail Scott Key. And if anyone wants to call in and has a question they want to ask uh, or join in the conversation, the number is 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869. Or you can join us live in the TojiNet chat room or the Pararex chat room. And our special guest today is Ken from the Haunted Mortuary. <laughs> so I forgot where you were, but I hope you have. Uh, what, what, <laughs> um, uh, what we were talking about, we were talking about uh, ghosts that just walk up to you and say, hey, how you doing? And oh, never right, had that, exactly. Never had that experience happen to me, but it, um, one, of the, one of the things about uh, the mortuary is that, that that has happened to other people reportedly. Um, and some of which I've interviewed. And what happened is, um, once again, uh, the bill, the bill was built originally in 1872 to be a single family home. A woman named Mary Slattery and her husband, John, he was a, a New Orleans police officer. They had six children. A number of children died, um, while living in the home. Uh, eventually the father died and the mother died as well. Um, the house was sold to a woman named Marie LaFontier, who turned around and lived in there with, she was a very proud French woman. Um, and she she had a Jewish husband named William Klein, and she said, uh-uh, I'm keeping my last name, which in 1905 was very rare. Um, but <laughs> um, they, lived in the, they lived in the home for, for a while, and in 1923, the house was sold, and it opened in the 1930s as a funeral home. And literally the first night it was open as a funeral home, people started reporting uh, ghostly activity. Now, this funeral home was very unique. It was called the P.J. Manison's Funeral Home Company. It was very unique, and... They were smart. They were very, very smart. They were very smart businessmen. And this building was huge, massive. If, I mean, you can look at the pictures on mortuary.com. You can also go yeah, to gorgeous. You can also go to mansionneworleans.com. I mean, the building was large. And the PJ Manasons, they they were very intelligent. And they were like, well, we have seven funeral, and they had seven funeral parlors on the main floor that so they could hold multiple funerals multiple times a day. But they had this huge top floor that was equally as large as the bottom floor. And they were very intelligent. And what they did was, you know, back in the 1930s, they didn't have Howard Johnson. They didn't have Hilton. They didn't have Sheraton. They didn't have Marriott's. They didn't have, you know, all these things. So what they did was they converted the top area into, for lack of a better term, hotel room. That when people were coming into town for funerals, they could stay at the funeral home. Wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Uh, mm -hmm. You're you're saying that they could stay there on the top floor 
Uh, above seven rooms, seven funer- seven of these rooms that were showing different bodies. So, the- so you could be up there mourning uh, your own, but also sharing it with other people. That is correct. Yeah, what's wrong with that? That would be like that a hospital. What if you got a hospital? You're also looking at it with a 20th century mentality. All right, uh, but funerals, especially New Orleans funerals, are very different than than other funerals. Yes, there is a mourning period. But as soon as that funeral is over, it's a party. And it was a party spot. <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word. Like an Irish wake, you know. And, if you're and, not mourning, uh, the one in your family can go to another one. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. You know, uh, look, I'm just going to the next room. Nice. But, uh, but uh, it, was, it was mostly mourning. I've got to interrupt. Gail, if you think that is crazy, do you know, do, wait a minute, do you know that. Uh, the Lizzie Borden house in the room that Abby was killed in, her brother slept in that bed that night. Oh, oh, I, I have not only got the pictures are up there, and, and, and that's like of a total different discussion, Ron. We're, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Do you think I'd be sleeping? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just a different mindset back then, that's all. Right. Yeah, my mind mindset. says do not be setting on sleeping tonight. Yep, right. that's what, what it says. <laughs> One of the things that happened is immediately people started talking about, literally the first night they started doing this, people started complaining about a ghostly woman in white. And <gasps> she would she would walk up to people and introduce herself sometimes and, says, and she would say, um, I'm Marie or Mary, and uh, have you seen my husband? And the people would think that she was another, you know, in another room. Or you know, staying there with with other with other members of the family, and they would kind of turn. Well, I don't know, and then they would turn back, and she would be gone. And so, so that's wow. that's one of them. And that that haunting still happens today. Um, we've we've had many reports of this phantom woman in white, and she's seen in two ways. She's seen as an older woman with a long white dress, or she's seen as a woman in white with her hair or one's hair down. Or she's seen as a younger woman corseted with her hair up. And we actually think, due to historical research on the property, we actually think what it is is it's two ghosts, it's not one. One is the mother, Mary Slattery. One is the daughter, Mary Slattery, who both died in the house in the same year, in 1905, of yellow fever. And in yellow fever, I don't know if you know much about New- yellow fever, but it was, it was really bad. It hit New Orleans every summer until 1905, until the last outbreak was 1905. But it was an epidemic every summer. In fact, in 1853, 10,000 people died um, of yellow fever, and they just stacked the bodies on the street. Uh, At the time, the population was 100,000. That was one in 10 um, died that summer. Um, So yellow fever was a very common thing here. And when you got yellow fever, there are two ways it went. Either you recovered or you didn't. There was no in-between, all right? And when you died, it was a bad way to go, and they didn't know how it was spread. They didn't figure out until 1905 how it was spread, that it was spread by mosquito. But they didn't know that at the time. So what would happen is if you came down with yellow fever, first thing that started to happen is your skin turns yellow because it attacks your liver. And then eventually you end up choking to death. It's just a bad way to go, and I'm not going to get into the gruesome details. But... uh, but when you got it, it was my dinner. When, yeah, exactly. When you got it, they just stuff you in a room in your house, usually a room overlooking the street, 
usually on the left side of the house facing the street, farthest away from the stairs. And the reason they did, because they didn't know how it was supposed, they just shut you in a room, they'd feed you underneath the door, but nobody wanted to get cut close to you. So what we theorized is that she is looking for her husband because her husband wouldn't come visit her, and she died. Um, and that was a very normal occurrence here, and you know, we wanted to spill the tell like that, but we believe that she still comes back looking for her husband. Um, and the other ghost, well, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know, but, but we pretty much think that we just have so many occurrences of people saying that they've witnessed this phenomenon. Another thing, when this ghost shows up... So, Ken, right. once again, uh, do, you, do you believe that these are an intelligent haunting where they interact with no, the person, I, or they just I'm, play out the same thing no, over and over these, again? These are 100... I do 100% believe these are an intelligent, active haunt. Yes. Um, if there's two of these ghosts who are there, why doesn't she ask the other ghost if maybe she's seen her husband? Huh? No. I don't know. know. You just um, never know. The, <laughs> you know. One of the things I, I... I really believe that we create our own reality. Uh-huh. Um, and that is one thing humans are very well known for doing. My reality is totally separate from yours. <laughs> um, and, we, and we all, you know, it's a, it's, a psycho, it's a psychological effect that we all agree, all of us, when there's 10 of us in a room, we all agree on what is real and what is not real. That's right. But, but we're each a little bit different in the way that we view it. And, you know, we all, believe, we all exist, believe it or not, in some state of denial about something or other. Denial is one of our strongest, uh, is, is almost an instinctive response a lot of times. We, you know, because if we face what we normally face without a sense of denial in some ways, it, it, it's suggested that we wouldn't be able to psychologically handle, you know, what it is before. In fact, denial is one of our strongest defense mechanisms um, that we can deny. You know, a lot of times we can deny something into not existing. So I personally think um, that sometimes... It's kind of like the movie The Others, which uh, I've seen that. Yeah, and I, I, and I do believe, that. and I do believe that some ghosts can do. Now, now, conversely, on the opposite side of that spectrum, we we have some ghosts at the mortuary who know they're dead, who willingly interact with other mm-hmm. people, um, and have a lot of fun doing it. We're, we have these children that haunt the building, right. and they're incredibly active. Fun-loving. We have so many EVP. We have 30 microphones in the building um, that just listen basically to dead air. Oh, that's cool. Uh, we'll no pun intended. Oh, <laughs> and we'll come in. We'll come in, and you can hear. You know, and I, uh, I wish I thought to send some of these to you, but it's okay. Um, you can hear a little girl whistling, a little girl humming, a little a little girl talking to her mother. In fact, Pensacola Paranormal Society came in, and they're all on their web, website, PensacolaParanormalSociety.com. Um, where they came in did an investigation, and they just have tons of EVP um, of a little girl. And you can actually hear her talking to her mom, um, who is, you know, still there. Um, so it, it's, it's really fascinating, you know. like Right. And, Ken, I, I can actually tell you of a case. I, I know a case where uh, there are ghosts in the upper floors of a house, and there are ghosts in the bottom floors of the house, and the ghosts in the upstairs won't go downstairs because there's ghosts there. Right. Yeah, the ghosts are afraid of the ghosts. Ghost? Yeah, the ghosts are afraid of ghosts. Yeah, we we actually have that. Um, we have some similar phenomena happens um, on the main floor compared to the basement. Now, the basement of the mortuary is very different than the top two floors. Um, the basement it's a Halloween haunted house attraction, which you can find more about by going to the mortuary.net. 
but it's one of America's top haunted house attractions during September and October. And this is not a fireman's, we're going to slap some black plastic on the walls haunted house. This is a, a full immersion, you think you are the star of a horror movie kind of haunted house. Um, you get a little messy. And uh, it's uh, the downstairs is decorated that way. The basement area is decorated that way all year round. And it seems to have attracted um, or brought out the negativity of one of our resident ghosts. There is a mortician that has haunted the building since the 1950s. Um, just believed his name is Samuel. He used to work there as a manager. And I have interviewed, what's so fascinating about this building is, and one reason I love my job is, is that I've interviewed so many people that used to work there before, you know, when it was a funeral home. And it's so funny, most people in the funeral industry, they don't believe in ghosts. You know, they're like, because they're, they're, they're confronted with death every day. It's just, it's a normal progression. But it is fascinating. Every single person, every single person I've ever interviewed that worked at this building, Believes in ghosts, everyone, and the guys and the guys that used to work in the embalming room. I've interviewed them, and they both this guy described the same ghost: um, five foot ten, approximately, blue suit, white shirt, patchwork quilt tie, collar length auburn hair, blue, steel blue eyes, hooked nose, very thin mouth, um, very kind of thin guy all around. But he used to work there, and named Samuel, and as a manager. Well, what happened is. That old embalming room is now one of the scariest scenes in the haunted house. And since it's been decorated that way, he's not a happy person. And we, we believe part of that's due to he knew he was dead. He comes back in to check on, you know, everything once in a while. He had a, you know, a lot of embalmers, they take a lot of pride in their work. And they're, they're like, you know, they're doctors. And when they come, or in a way they are, and, you know, they're the last, they look at it as they are the last piece of dignity a person has before they go in a vault or they go on the ground. Because, you know, they, they, they present that body so loved ones can look at it and remember fonder time. And so they look at it with a lot of pride. So imagine, you know, if, if you're like this and you come back one day and there's body parts and fake gore splattered all over the wall, you know, <laughs> you're not too happy. And Is that I, what's prompted the um, surveillance cameras? Because you have 30 cameras 24-7 yeah, for activity. Right. We so have prompted that. We've caught strange, well, we've caught strange shadow movement in the room. One of the, mo the most incredible things that happened in this room. He's a very angry ghost. He doesn't really. You know, if you're looking for danger, so to speak, like a lot of people, go, I want to experience something scary. I'm like, go in the room. Tell me how you feel um, later. Hey, and, <laughs> and then, and, you know, but um, there was a guy. He just got back from Iraq, um, and he had been shot in the leg. He got mm -hmm. a purple heart and. He, uh, he was infantry, and he came in. His, his, his fiance at the time, uh, she believed in ghosts. He didn't. You know, he'd gone through, you know, he'd been through war, and, and yeah. he'd seen friends die. And he had pretty much put up just a big defensive, you know, no, I don't even think about it kind of thing. But he loved her. He came in for a ghost investigation. So we trained him on what to do, and actually gave him mine. And I, I have a soft spot for vets. I used, I, I'm former Army. So uh, I have a very soft spot for that. So I gave him my mail meter, which uh, is, was given to me by uh, the uh, guy that manages uh, the TAPS dudes. And uh, <laughs> um, so I gave him my mail meter, and he's walking around with it, and he's down in the embalming room and saying, hey, if there's something in here, he wants, you know, he's just running his mouth. He's humoring, you know, his fiance. 
and uh, he gets over to where this and we don't when people come in for investigations we don't tell them anything we don't tell them who haunts where what goes on we don't say anything because you know we don't want to put anything in anybody's head. Right. It's like a spot. And but so, you do tell them if they have a heart condition that they shouldn't go in just in case. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, part, that's part of the yeah. waiver. If you run and you fall and you break your face, you can't see me. Um, but uh, um, so this guy is in there. He's walking around in the embalming room, and he hears this growl. And he's kind of freaked out by it. And I've heard the growl before on occasion, too. And it is, But he hears this growl, and I can't, it's the weirdest thing. It just, like, comes out of nowhere. Like, you'll just hear it, and it'll literally sound like it's right behind your ear. And, so it's not um, with a stomach or something, like you didn't eat food? It does, it does, it, it, but you, can, you know, you can determine where sound comes from up right. higher, and it comes up high. It's, it's really strange. And wow. he hears this growl, and he moves closer, and as he moves closer, his melmeter, which basically measures uh, electromagnetic frequency, right. just goes off the chart. And mm. he, gets, he hears the growl again, and the next thing you know, and this is on camera, you see him falling across the room. It's like he just physically got what? shoved back. And wow. he was freaked out. <laughs> and he got really shook up about it. And he was like, you're kidding me, you're kidding me, you're kidding me, you're kidding me. And um, come to find, and, and he, he, after that, he was so completely convinced. And after he became convinced, all convinced that there was such a thing as ghosts, he started noticing other things that were going on. And that's what we usually find happens. Um, you're not going to believe this, but we've run out of time. Oh, well, no! But anyway, anyway, he, he, he loved the place so much, he and his wife got married there. Oh, uh, so. isn't that great? <laughs> so, anyways, Ken, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, you were an interesting gift, uh, guest. Awesome. And once again, give out your website for us. Uh, there's a couple. There's uh, Uh You can also become our friend at uh, facebook.com backslash haunted.mortuary. If you want to see any of our past investigations, read our past investigator reports, go to myspace.com backslash hauntedmortuary. Um, but uh, we're open for ghost investigations, event, venue, rental, you name it, we do it. So come on down sometime. Nice. All right, Ken. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, you have a great yeah. night. All right, you too. Yeah, bye. bye. And that was Ken from the uh, mortuary. Now, uh, we missed it last week, but we've got to play the, uh, the uh, episode of uh, the Ghosts of Gettysburg thing. So can we play that, uh, Viking? Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghosts of Gettysburg, brought to you by Mark Nesmith and the Ghosts of Gettysburg. This is an actual message left on the Ghosts of Gettysburg answering machine. What you're about to hear is real. Nothing has been changed. Is truth stranger than fiction? You decide. 5.30, a.m. Saturday. Message 4. Hello, everybody. Um, when I received your call, I've been using my son's phone. Uh, he packed up, went to college. Uh, it's still in my residence. Um... I was taking a bath today, and he was in the bathroom. And I um, went outside then, 
did some did some uh, errands, walked in town, and uh, he followed me. I don't know what's going on, but I can tell you one thing: this guy means business. He's carrying a rifle with a bayonet attached to it, a pack of hard tack, a canteen, and he keeps whipping around his Confederate belt. And this started to kick me off and all my family. He's been in my kitchen. He's been in my front yard. He's been in town. He's been in my bathroom. He's been in my living room. He's been in my closet. He's been in my garage. He's been in my shed. He's been in my head. He's been in my bed. Enough said. I cannot believe what is going on here. He's probably tracking our call right now. He's winking at me. I think he's got a horse, because I keep hearing clickety-clack outside every night. And that was another episode of The Ghost of Gettysburg. Can you believe wow. that? That's scary. Now, this is, these are true true uh, messages left on The Ghost of Gettysburg answer machine. Wow. So that poor guy can never take a bath again is basically what he's saying. Oh, the, it, this, it's, it's a fascinating <gasps> story. There's many more. So <gasps> I love it. We'll, we'll have another one next week. Awesome. But Gail. I love it. Yes, dear. How can you tell if your house is haunted? Um, when I'm not in it because I'm scared, and I've changed a couple of degrees lighter than the shade that I am right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's actually some rules that you can tell. Ooh, okay. For instance, how can you tell if your house is haunted? You come home from work, and you feel a frightful chill in the air, and it has nothing to do with you forgetting your wife's birthday. <laughs> No? Speaking from experience. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe, you know, you know. how can you tell if your house is haunted? Things wow. disappear, like beer in the refrigerator, and you know you don't drink that much. <laughs> mm. Oh, but there's more. Uh, how can you tell if your house is haunted? You smell a demonic odor like rotten flesh. It has nothing to do with the burritos you ate for lunch. I was going to say, I thought it was my husband's friend passing gas. Yeah, no? there you go. Okay. <laughs> How can you tell if your house is haunted? The bed Ow. shakes at night. The bed shakes at night, and it's not even your anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> and how can you tell if your house is haunted? Do I even go on? I don't know. Yes, yes, you do, yes. <laughs> you find a strange pair of men's boxer pants under your bed. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> now, wait a second. My anniversary is this weekend, so I'm really concerned about the last two, all right? Yeah, okay. And finally, how can you tell if your house is haunted? You see an old hag, and you become frozen and can't even speak? Oh, never mind. It's just your mother-in-law. <laughs> Mom, she didn't. He didn't mean it. No, no. You didn't mean it, did you? Uh, no. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that's that's uh, a little. Uh, oh my goodness! List that's awesome. This week. <laughs> that is, is awesome. You are awesome. You're you're rotten, but you're awesome. <laughs> oh man! 
Anyway. I love it. Yeah. Oh. So that's our little list. We, we try to do a little list uh, every week. I love uh, it. We're doing a lot more segments. Anyways, we do have some things coming up. Uh, yes. On the 20th, I will be at Mystical Whispers. Maureen and I will be at Mystical Whispers in Salem, New Hampshire, doing a book signing of our new book, of course, Ghost Chronicles. Awesome. And we'll be there from 11 to 2. Uh, also, I believe in the 23rd, we're doing a paranormal discussion group at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover. And coming up in, I believe, May, we're doing a, a live broadcast at uh, Barnes & Noble's in Peabody, which will be interesting as well. Wow. Congratulations to you guys. That is awesome. And thank you and Maureen so much for just putting the, the spin on the paranormal for those who are out there seeking because you're very educational. And that's why, my dear, I have just loved being your number one fan for so long. You just tell it as it is, and it's always informative and good to hear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's not what a lot of people say. <laughs> Let him talk to me. <laughs> so, what's coming up with you, uh, my friend? Oh, I am, um, I have some projects underway. I am doing, um, a little bit of going back into, uh, the newsroom, but not really. We're doing an educational piece for schools I've been seeming to do lately. Um, uh, about disasters going on. Uh, but I do have the project coming up in about two months. We'll be shooting for on the Oxygen and uh, WE Network and also KCAL California. Yeah, so I'll be hosting a half-hour segment of pairing up healthcare professionals with healthcare uh, facilities in and around the New England area. So I will definitely give you the dates on that so everyone can tune in and check it out. All right. Now, I just got to notice it says 10 seconds and the show ends. I'm not sure if that's to the outro music or the... Uh, <laughs> the end of the show so um, that's it that's kind of a vague little thing yeah yeah well I guess we have to say goodbye it was a pleasure thank you so much anytime yep. you want me here to fill in for Miss Maureen we miss her too I'm right there for you great right. show good night God bless everyone <laughs> good night from ghoulies to ghosties don't forget. 